Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word, reveal Jesus to me, fill me with the Holy Spirit, then send me out to share Christ with others so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, any adults want to come up here and do that one by hard? We got yet? Got anybody? Not yet? Okay, we're going to warm up to it. Okay, turn with me to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And you can just hold your place there in Matthew chapter 28. And uh, I want to start with a statement. And um, I, I want you to understand that I'm not speaking this over you, but it is a statement that I think we can start with, and that's an important statement, okay? Here's the statement. You listening? Don't settle for demon-level faith. It's not on the screen. I don't have any sermon guides today. I got in late last night, and I didn't have an opportunity to put those together. So you have to be a good note taker today, pen and paper, and a Bible flipper. But let me say it again. Don't settle for demon-level faith. Pastor Robert, what do you mean? Well, in James chapter 2... Verse 19, I believe. We don't have to go there. There's a scripture that says that the demons believe in Jesus and they even tremble at his name. The demons believe in Jesus and even tremble at his name. Did you know that demons believe in Jesus? But how many of you believe that demons don't follow Jesus? Right? Demons aren't being changed by Jesus. Demons certainly don't obey Jesus. But they do believe in Jesus. And this is important because we're starting a new series today across all of our campuses. And the title of the new series is this. More than believers. The making of a disciple. Come on, say it with me all together. One, two, three, say it. More than believers, the making of a disciple. What does this mean exactly? Well, it means that we want to be people who not only believe in Jesus but follow him into becoming his disciples who eventually learn how to help others become 
disciples. I know that's a mouthful, but we'll kind of flesh it out as we go. Let's start with Matthew chapter 28. Some of you can quote Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 by heart, and that's good. So let's keep that in mind, and let's just let verses 19 and 20 sink in a little bit. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus is speaking. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. I like the NIV. The NIV says teaching them to obey. How many know there's a difference between observing something and obeying something, right? So teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you, and behold, or lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Can we go back to 19, verse 19, 28, 19, and let's read it all together. Come on, one, two, three, read. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we want to take some time and we want to look at what discipleship is and what it means to disciple Christ. We want to lay some foundation for how a person becomes a disciple. And we're going to include God's desire for us to not only become disciples, but to begin to embrace the call, the invitation to become disciple makers. I don't know if you ever caught this before, and I think it's worth mentioning because I've been a Christian for a little while, 30 years. I've read the Bible a little bit. And um, I never really caught this before, but Jesus didn't just make disciples. He made disciple makers. Is that good, Dennis? Because he said, go therefore and make disciples. Who was he speaking to? His disciples. So they were made disciples by Jesus, but it hit me. Somebody told me, somebody, should, the lights came on. Jesus didn't just make disciples. He made disciple makers. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. He says, go, therefore, and while you're going, while you're living your life, while you're raising your family and pursuing your career, while you're enjoying your retirement, while you're living your life, that's what this means. Go and make disciples, teaching them to follow me and obey what I said. Have you ever been a person or have you ever known a person to like miss the point of what they were doing? I like fishing and I think most of you know that. And over the years that I've been fishing, I've had an opportunity to take a lot of people fishing with me. Those aren't my best personal fishing days, by the way, because I'm trying to help people stay out of the trees with their fly and their bait. I'm untangling fishing line. I'm discipling people on how to fish. And I've taken some people, they're so excited, they got their fishing gear, they got their bait, they got their fish on. 
And we get out to the river, and I introduce the gear that I've brought for us to use. I've brought some tackle that I know will help them get on the fish. Kids, what's the point of going fishing? To catch a fish, right? It is possible to do something and miss the point, though, right? So I'll take some of these guys. They're all excited. Oh, no, 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 Robert. I want to use my own gear. I got my own pole. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Let's try this leader line because it's going to be a lot harder for the fish to see. And I've got this special. Oh, no, no. I've got my own leader line. And I know what bait to use. You sure? Okay. We get out in the water and an hour goes by and two hours go by and three hours go by. And have you ever heard this statement before? (laughs) I know you've heard this statement. Um, a bad day fishing is better than a good day in the office. You know who says that? Fishermen who don't catch any fish. That's who says that. That's what we say when we get skunked. And, and it's easy to say because I'm in the river and and there's beautiful trees, and if it's the fall, oh my gosh, the foliage. But when you don't catch anything, that's what you say, and that's what a lot of these guys would say. Are you having a good time? Oh, yeah, I'm having a good time. Look at this. This is God's country. You know what they say, Pastor Robert? No, no. What do they say? They say a bad day fishing is better than a good day. That's not what I say. I say, Lord, put me on the fish, right? And so what I've noticed is sometimes I can get a fishing day in with someone who just kind of prefers to use his own gear and he doesn't catch any fish. And he, and he goes away thinking that that was a great fishing experience. But the problem is he missed the point of the fishing trip, which is catching fish. And so I just share that to try to make the connection that in the same way, I wonder how many Christians and believers are missing the point when it comes to their faith. Thinking it's about believing in Jesus only while excluding becoming disciples of Jesus who at some point learn to invite others into the process. Friend, that's the point of being a follower of Jesus. Can someone say amen? Amen. That's the point. But what does it mean to be a disciple? And I think that's a good question. And I think that depending on who you ask, you can get a variety of definitions. And I'm not trying to say that there's only one or mine is the best or this pastor's is the best. But I think generally speaking, I want to start with the word disciple. The word disciple in the Hebrew language is Talmud, T-A-L-M as in Mary, I-D, Talmud. And the Greek word for disciple, disciple in English, the Greek word is mathetes, M-A-T-H-M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S, mathetes. By the way, that's where we get our English word math, math, mathetes. Part of mathetes, math, is thinking critically 
putting two, two and two together, and then coming out with the result. Mathetes, disciple. And the easiest definition, the simplest definition of a disciple is a student, a learner, or an apprentice of someone else. And in this specific case, we're talking about becoming a disciple of who? Kids, who are we talking about? Becoming a disciple of who? Of Jesus, of Jesus. And I also want to point out, I think it's worth mentioning that the word disciple stresses a relationship between the teacher or a rabbi in Jesus' day and the disciple, the student. The relationship between the teacher and the student. And a disciple in Jesus' day would give up his entire life in order to be with his teacher. And the disciple didn't only seek to know what the teacher knew, as is usually the case today. It, it, it wasn't enough just to know what the rabbi said or what the rabbi knew. The goal or the point of any disciple was to become like the rabbi or to become like his teacher or to become like his master and do what his teacher did. It's to become one who imitates his master. That's what a disciple is. Kind of in a broad sense of the definition. I narrowed it down a little bit. It's not my definition. I stole it from another pastor. I didn't steal it. He has it available on his website. But I really like it. You've heard it before, but I think I want to mention it. A disciple of Jesus is a person who follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is on mission with Jesus. Did you catch that? So I didn't say a disciple of Jesus is simply one who just learns what Jesus knows. Because it is possible to pursue scholarship or to pursue biblical information and knowledge and forego becoming a disciple. One who actually follows him and is being changed by him and who's on mission with him. It's possible to know the Bible. To know the scriptures, to believe in Jesus, and not necessarily be a disciple of Jesus. So, church, don't pursue Bible knowledge and forego becoming a disciple, because that's the point. Amen? That's the point. Now, I think it's worth mentioning this, and especially if anyone might be watching this on Facebook, you're not here right now, I want you to catch this. Because I don't want you to think that Pastor Robert's just thinking about how we can reach more people to get more people in the church. Or Pastor Robert, because he's a pastor, of course he's going to say this stuff. And he wants my life just to be kind of minimized to reading my Bible, saying my prayers, going to church on Sunday, uh, telling my kids how to say their prayers and how to read their Bibles and that they got to go to church on Sunday. No, that's not, that's not at all. I, I want you to hear this, friend discipleship is your whole life. It's not limited to spiritual church activities. Very practical. Jesus wants to teach you how to grow as a whole. W 
H-O-L-E, person. He wants you to become a healthy, whole person. He wants you to have relationships that are healthy and thriving. He wants you to learn how to create boundaries where it's not to your benefit or healthy for your relationship. He wants to teach you and disciple you how to manage your finances so that you can pay your bills and you can give to the Lord and you can save for retirement and you can put your kids through college if that's what you're going to do. He cares about your finances. Discipleship has to do with your career and your emotional health, how you live a victorious life in Christ. So don't limit discipleship to, oh, reading my Bible, coming to prayer, telling the gospel, and saying, you know, what God wants me to say at the right time. No, no, no. Of course it includes that. But it's more than that. It's your life. He wants to teach you how to live life and life to the full. So first we need to realize that Jesus calls every believer to be his disciple. That's the first big point. Jesus calls every believer to be his disciple. And you need to hear that because you could be a believer and you didn't realize that Jesus has called you to be more than just a believer. He's called you into the making of a disciple process. Every believer. Oh, Pastor Robert, I'm not that serious. You need to be. It's to your benefit too. There's so much. Okay, I want to give you a statistic that I've found. There is an organization called Bible um, Discipleship.org. It's founded by a pastor named Bobby Harrington. And it's a national study of churches, over 1,000 churches and one pastors, 1,000 pastors surveyed in this discipleship study, and this is what was found. Fewer than 5%. What's fewer than 5%? Under 5%? 4%? They weren't specific, but fewer than 5% of churches in the United States of America have a reproducing disciple-making culture. Fewer, let me put it this way, 95% of the churches in the United States, 95% of the churches in the United States do not have a disciple-making culture that reproduces disciples in their churches. Come on, somebody say, it's possible to miss the point. You with me? It's very possible to miss the point. You got to see, see, discipleship and disciple making happens when people intentionally enter into relationships to help one another follow Jesus. It's intentional. Like, I've made an intentional decision to go to this small group and to invest my life in them. And to receive from them investing their lives into me. That's intentional. Relationship is where discipleship happens. 
That's how Jesus discipled his people. And we're so blessed because sometimes we can't make the meeting in person. We use what? Zoom, FaceTime, Teams. We use technology. We have that. And so for some of us that are challenged and we can't be there, and you don't have a Zoom meeting happening right now, hey, let's say just, hey, Pastor Robert, I want to lead a Zoom meeting. I want to, let's do it. Come on, I'll, I'll help you. Let's make one available for people who can't be there because discipleship happens in the context of relationships. Those who believe in Jesus have also been called to be his disciples. Come on, somebody say it. I've been called to be Jesus' disciple. Just like he called the first disciples, he calls you and I. Let's look at that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Real quick, Matthew chapter 4. You're, you're already in Matthew, so we'll just go back to Matthew chapter 4. <clears throat> I'm going to just read a couple verses, starting in verse 18. If you're with me, kids, say amen. All right. Matthew 4, 18. Notice, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, they immediately left their nets and followed him. So I want you to picture yourself being called by Jesus to follow him. What would you say? What would I say? Would you say yes? Would you say what's required of me? I mean, that's a good question. <laughs> Lots of things, right? You might say, is it going to cost me something? going to be hard? I mean, there's thoughts going through your mind. I'm sure there were thoughts going through Peter's mind. But something supernatural happened in the moment when he realized that Jesus was the Messiah. After that great catch of fish, he was willing to just lay it all out and follow him. Why is that important? It's important because you got to know that Jesus calls every believer to be his disciple. Here's the second thing you need to know. Being a disciple is a choice. Jesus will not force you. He will not bend your will. He will not command you to be his disciple. He invites us to be his disciples. He invites us to come and follow him. He invites us to become a disciple. But in order to answer the call, one must choose to be a disciple. It's your choice. It's my choice. You can settle for demon level faith. 
Oh man, don't go to Lakeshore. Pastor Robert's crazy. He's telling me I have demon level faith. I'm not telling you you have demon level faith. I'm telling you don't settle for it. Amen? Because the demons believe. But they haven't chosen to follow Jesus. They haven't chosen to be a disciple. And the Bible is full of examples of people who did choose Jesus and to be his disciple and people who didn't choose Jesus and to be Jesus' disciples. Some of them who were up for the initial call, they backed away and they followed him no more. That's what the Bible says. How many of you ever heard of um, the rich young ruler? This rich young ruler, that's what he's called, he comes to Jesus and he says, Hey, Jesus, Master, what do I got to do to be complete? Jesus starts by saying, okay, follow this commandment and follow that command. Oh, oh, I've done that already to the best of my ability. Oh, okay. Here's what you need to do then. Sell everything you have. Remember, he was rich. Give it to the poor. And then, follow me. By the way, Jesus wasn't inviting him to a game called Simon Says. Jesus was saying, I want you to lay down your life and let me be your master. I want you to learn from me. I want you to be transformed by me. And I want you to be on mission with me. What was Jesus' mission? To help people know him. To go fishing. To catch people. Was that his mission? And then what do you do after you go fishing with the fish and you want to eat them? Kids, do you know? Anybody know kids? What do you do with them? Grill them, but you got to clean them first. But I like the grilling them. You're right. You got to gut them. You got to clean them. You can use it for more bait. I like that. That's good. Those are all right answers. Right? When you catch a fish, you got to gut them. Out with the old, in with the new. You got to gut them. You got to clean them up. You got to get them ready for the grill. Isn't that what Jesus does to us? He reels us in and he guts us. (laughs) He gets rid of the junk. Amen? He gets us ready. That's part of fishing. Right? So I want you to know, Jesus was inviting this rich young ruler to a whole level of life, a whole different level of to be his follower, to be on mission with him, to fish for men, to win them, to clean men up. Probably the most rewarding thing that he would have ever experienced. But the Bible tells us that he didn't answer the call. The Bible tells us he walked away sorrowful and he chose not to. To follow Jesus. Friend, Jesus is calling you to more than believing in Him. He's calling you to make a decision. He's calling you and I to choose to be His disciple and to follow Him. Will you make that choice? You might not be rich, you might not be young, you might not be a ruler. But it is possible 
that you're holding on to something that will keep you from following Jesus. It's very possible. Pastor Robert, how could you say that? I'm here. More than believers. More than church attendance. More than church attendance twice a month. National statistics. Twice a month. That's it. By the way, church service is an hour and a half. Three hours a month. Go sit with the family and hear the word and worship God. That's a national statistic right now. That's not a follower. No condemnation. Preaching to myself too. It's important that I'm a follower. But Pastor Robert, I, I, thought, I thought all I got to do is believe. Forgive me. Forgive us. Forgive the church, Big C, if that's the message we got across to you. Romans 10, 9, and 10. Something to the effect of, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, listen, that Jesus rose from the dead and that he is Lord, you shall be saved. Come on, kids, anybody I have an idea? What does Lord mean? Close. Come on. What does Lord mean? King. That's good. King. Lord and King. Very synonymous. Interchangeable words, right? Very good. Mason, you're smart. So... When you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, what are you saying? Say it again, Joni. He rules. He rules what? Oh, Pastor Robert, he rules the kingdom. Well, that's true. You're getting closer. But when you get saved, guess guess what? You're part of the kingdom. So if you're part of the kingdom, he rules what? He rules me. Not, not like an a overpowering bad king. A loving, gracious, plentiful, merciful, caring, life-changing king. That's the Lord that we serve. Here's another statistic from discipleship.org from that national study. Over 1,000 pastors surveyed and over 1,000 churches surveyed. Listen, the average pastor, the average pastor only spends 9% of his or her work hours personally preparing people to be disciple makers. Far less is spent on sermon preparation. 32% pastors surveyed 
spend 30% of their work hours, 32% on sermon preparation, 20% on pastoral care, caring for the people, and about 20% on administration in the church. Less than 9% of a pastor's work hours go towards preparing the church to become disciple makers. Come on, pastors are missing the point all across the United States. Don't bother me. I got to prepare next week's message. Don't bother me. I got to look after the church. Don't bother me. I don't have time for you because I got to do this church stuff. Pastor, your people are the church. And Jesus said that we're supposed to be going and making disciple makers, not just disciples. So if we're missing that, we're missing the point. Right? Forgive me. Here's the last thing I want to share today. Just talking. Number three, being a disciple is more than a confession. It is a commitment to follow. Being a disciple is more than a confession. It is a commitment to follow. There is a big difference between making a confession of faith and committing to follow Jesus as Lord. Isn't that true? Think with me for a second. What if our church became, what if we became a disciple-making church? Like, what if we became people who are helping each other follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and get on mission with Jesus? Think about the impact that would have on our lives personally, on the impact our lives would have on our family, our neighbors, our friends, and people around us, and the world in which we live. But starting right in our own nucleus. Think about that. A church where disciple-making is the core DNA and culture of the church, where the average church member becomes a disciple who learns how to make other disciples. Think about how that could impact you and impact our families and impact our communities. Now, Pastor Robert, uh, you're not going to force me to do anything, are you? Absolutely not. I'm not... I'm not Jesus invites us to follow him as disciples. He doesn't force us. But I do want you to know in my heart, in our heart, starting with Pastor Gill and our team, we don't want to be a church that misses the point. We want to be more than believers. We want to lead us into becoming a disciple-making church because that's what we've been called to do. Inviting people to church is good, but Jesus didn't limit it to that. He didn't say, just invite people to know me. Just invite people to church. He said, go. Part of your life, part of my life. is learning how to make this. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.